welcome to the Girl Ties Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, we are joined by Jessica Jansen. She is such an inspiration, and we'll get into exactly why, but the Girl Ties Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. So this week, I want to give a shout out to the Alberta Queer Calendar Project. So the Alberta Queer Calendar Project features monthly podcast dramas by queer Albertan writers through t- throughout 2020. Episodes are released monthly in 2020 and are free to access anywhere you get your podcasts. Listen and learn more about the Alberta Queer Calendar presented by Cardiac Theatre in partnership with What It Is Productions at QueerCalendar.ca. I also want to profile another member of the Alberta Podcast Network. I want to give a shout out to Dave Berta, uh, especially if you live in Alberta right now. I think it's really important as we navigate COVID. Um, yes, be aware of sort of the health updates uh, federally and provincially, but I think it's also really important to be aware of some of the things that are happening under the radar. Um, we've just seen cuts to education in this province. All around the world, whenever catastrophes happen, there's this uh, thing called shock doctrine, which is where often politicians can put through some legislation and put through cuts and changes that can actually be quite damaging for the people who need it most. But we are so distracted uh, by, you know, the major crisis, whether, you know, Hurricane Katrina, COVID, all those types of disasters, that serious legislation can go missed by the general public. So I think it's really important. So check out Dave Berta. They'll keep you, they'll keep you posted on uh, what you need to know, what's happening and how you can take action on it. Uh, so that's just my shout out to to don't lose sight also of, of how we can stay involved and focused and keep our communities healthy and safe in, in many ways. So I've wanted to interview Jessica Jansen for quite some time, but I'm going to admit it, I was a little bit intimidated. And it's not because Jess isn't the most welcoming human being that you've ever met. She is. But because this is a woman on a mission. If you don't know her story, Jessica's life changed dramatically when her son was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, SMA, at only a few months old. So instead of wallowing in the pain, which would be more than understandable and where I think I would fall in the scale, Jess and her family used that pain as rocket fuel to create joy for their son, Lewiston, to raise funds for SMA research and to make a decision that their family and their marriage would be rock solid. Love for Lewiston, their foundation is about to have its million dollar year and there's so many ways that you can support them. You can find ways to do that at linked in our show notes. Jess is a freshly minted author and her book Bring the Joy is out in May. Pre-sales end April 2nd, so I want you to go snag a pre-sale in order to get a copy before everyone else does. I know I have. So the book tells Jess's life story, the many times she's rewired her brain for joy and purpose and overcome numerous challenges. To be around Jessica is an inspiration, a motivation, and I know I finished the call fired up to do more good, build stronger habits, and focus on my business with on my business with renewed energy. So we talk a bit about how you can bring the joy in simple ways as we navigate COVID-19, the intentional commitment that she's made to her marriage with Hot Ronnie, what life looked like pre-kids, what doesn't happen in her life so that all the other important things can, and so much more. It is a phenomenal episode, and I hope that you go check it out. So to find the show notes, go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 153, episode 153. Now, I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, 
This was really my first podcast recording over Zoom. Uh, I had some slight audio issues. Uh, it's nothing major. It's mainly something that you know bothers me because I like to have better audio. It's again nothing major. Just uh, something to be aware of. I have learned my lessons. It will be better next time, and uh, I will keep you posted. So, without further ado, let's go into the interview with Jess. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for joining the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. It's uh, We were just saying before we hit record, this is wild times that we're going through right now. Uh, wild would be the understatement, I think, of the year. I've, I've never seen anything like this. I think most people that are living and breathing on their planet right now haven't seen anything like this. Yeah. Well, and I was saying it's really interesting timing to have you on the podcast because Talking about bringing the joy in stressful times, I think, is very, very important. But we will get to that. Um, so, for mm-hmm. those, um, I, I, I know a lot about you. I'm assuming a lot of my listeners know a lot about you. But I, I want to give people an idea of what life was like for you pre-children. As a mom, I know that it feel kind of feels like your life was defined in like after kids and before kids. Mm-hmm. So. And they change you so dramatically as a woman, right? So like, what was Jess's life like pre-kids? What did that look like? Oh, man, it depends how far you want to get, go back. But um, I've always had like a servant heart. So always been involved in like service and volunteer work. Ironically enough, um, I uh, met this family at our church in a Sunday school classroom. And they had two kids with spinal muscular atrophy. And so I helped their family, whether it was like they wanted to go on a date night and I come over and watch their kids. Uh, I kind of like worked for them essentially for a month while they were in between caregivers and I was in between jobs and uh, took them on trips and went to my parents' farm and like really cool, fun activities that they wouldn't normally get to do. And then I was like a career woman. My goal was to like climb the you know, corporate ladder and become a CEO. I just like wanted to define my own path of success. My dad is my well, my parents are farmers and my dad's been farming since, um, he basically could walk with my grandpa. And then he later started his own farm in 1978. So, um, I knew the farm life wasn't for me. And so I really wanted to carve out my own path and define success for myself. And for me, that looked like a corporate job and traveling and meetings and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the things. And so I had a really amazing run at Jugo Juice there, a Calgary based company. Uh, that at the time when I started working for them was uh, family owned and operated. And then they sold to a big publicly traded company and things very quickly kind of changed. And it wasn't the same company that I started with. And then during that process, I was working, but like I met my husband and then we were working together. And so you'd like drive to work together, have offices eight feet apart, and then like drive home together and like be intertwined in all these projects. So when I got headhunted for an opportunity with a software company, I was like, oh, this is where I want to be. And I worked for a massive, massive, like worldwide, globally, you know, global company in the software business. And I did that for just under a year and I hated it. Yeah, I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at meetings. I'm really good at networking, but um, the grind of like, you have to be there by seven, you know, like you're selling millions of dollars of software. So these deals don't happen overnight. Like it's not like selling a sweatshirt, you know, it's like dealing with boards of directors and, you know, involving all these layers and nothing moves quickly in that large of a corporation. And so um, I just didn't like the toxic work environment, seven out of 12 people in our team, we're getting a divorce. Cause like, 
you live, sleep, and breathe it. And there was like some expectations from some of the team members and clients that you'd like entertain them and then continue to entertain them, if you know what I mean. Oh, and um, I was just like, you know what? This is not for me. Um, I want my marriage to be rock solid. And so I walked over there four days before my 30th birthday and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life, but I cannot turn 30 and this be like where I am. So I typed up my resignation letter and since then, it's just been the schmozzle. I think that's the best word to yeah. use it of like ways to make income. So um, now I feel like I've caught my stride. And I think that's my encouragement to anybody. You know, it wasn't like I just took the leap of faith from like this corporate secure paycheck to all of a sudden, oh, now you're a successful business owner. Um, you know, you read uh, books like Shoe Dog, like with Phil Knight and his story of Nike and how long it took for them to actually make money yeah. and cash flow and all of that. And, um, it's been a grind, but we've kind of found a rhythm. Um, I love what I'm doing and now I'm just trying to um, generate revenue from it, which is crazy. I'd love to do what I do for free, but at the end of the day, I have big dreams and goals for our family and for my relationship with my husband. So now, I mean, there's kids and everything involved and kind of my life got changed. The trajectory got changed. I've always wanted to be a speaker. Um, but my mom was like, what are you going to speak about? Like, <laughs> you know, when you see people on stage that you need, they need to have a story. And that was before, um, I had my son Lewiston probably a year, maybe six months before he came and we both kind of laugh about it. We're like, well, there's the story. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty clear. So and for so, anyone that doesn't know the Lewiston story, can you tell us a bit <laughs> about that? Yeah. So I think that's like a perfect transition. So I quit my job at SAP. I start going out on my own. I can start doing business consulting, helping these small businesses. And then I, I get pregnant and with my daughter, I have her. She's amazing. Um, I had luckily got a contract with a company that took me on as employee. So I got um, maternity leave, but then I got pregnant again, four months later, not trying. Um, we're fertile myrtle. And so I'm super thankful for that, but I didn't go back to work. And so the funds had dried up. There was no maternity leave and we were just kind of on our own. And within um, our son being about two months, he went limp uh, on a vacation in Winnipeg. And so we went to the Winnipeg hospital there. I didn't really even notice it. I had taken him to a chiropractor for colic because I was so desperate. He's a really colicky baby. And the chiro suggested I go in. So I go in go see the chiropractor and she refers us and says, go to the children's. We go to children's six days of testing, nothing done there. While we're there, I have a phone call with um, the two kids that I had volunteered with um, for the like last 10 years. And Karen's like, get an SMA test. Like it sounds very similar to what the kids had when they were diagnosed. So I'm like, is it really complicated? She's like, no, it's just blood work. It's that simple. So of course, Winnipeg's like, oh, we don't want to do it. We don't actually have a lab here that tests for it. I was like, I don't care. Charge me a bajillion dollars. Like, just send this off. We'll pay for it. They end up drawing the blood. Apparently, they never sent it because by the like the results take a while to get back. And and that in that time, we got released from the Winnipeg hospital, flew back to Calgary, went to see a doctor, then went to see the pediatric neurology team here at Alberta Children's, who was like night and day, amazing, like so detailed, so thorough. I was like, can you check on the status of this SMA test? We did it on this date, blah, blah, blah. They're like, there's no record of the blood work ever being sent. 
so frustrating. And so we redid all these horrible tests. Like there was one test where your kid lies there, you hold your child down where they poke needles in and out of different areas of their body to hit the nerve endings. Mm. Um, and that's to see if the nerves are firing and his weren't, which is like a very clear um, symptom of that. It's like an hour long test. It's horrible. You give your baby like sugar water and try to keep them from crying. It's brutal. So we had to do that test twice. And finally on August um, 5th, the neurologist walked into the room and said, Hey, um, I'm really sorry to, to tell you this, but we believe your son has SMA. And in my head, I'm like, well, no problem. I'm like, I know kids with SMA. I've taken care of them. I know we're going to need some help and we'll maybe have to make the house wheelchair accessible, but like you get cut, get to cut the line at Disney and you get, um, all the <laughs> handicap spots. I was like, boom. And ironically enough, we had just finished raising $50,000 for a wheelchair for this family. And that was like about a, a, a three weeks to a month prior to us leaving on, in Winnipeg. So long story short, she was like, Jessica, like when neurologist goes to me, she's like, I know, you know, about SMA. Um, cause she follows the kids that I had been helping. And she's like, I know, you know, but it's like, it's SMA type one where like, we actually don't think he's going to make his first birthday. And I was like, sorry, what? And then like, that's when I broke and I crumbled. And, um, it was, that was in August. We had four amazing months with our son, three and a half, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we just decided that day that we got that. We, um, you know, we crumbled. I swore I, you know, wanted to punch all the things. Um, I bawled. You feel like alone and isolated and dark and scary. But in that moment, I was like, we get to choose our response in this and we will bring joy. That is flat out. I mean, people say choose joy. So we choose joy, bring joy, but our son's going to feel loved and feel taken care of. And he's going to feel joy and have the most incredible life. And his life was basically um, virtually all of it lived the rest of that from that point forward in the hospital. And then eventually the hospice. And we had these epic dance parties and we just created this life. And, you know, that was before you could share people's stuff on Instagram. It was more like word of mouth, but we grew this community and this following. And when he passed, we just saw the community rally beside us again. And we just chose to um, start a foundation. We literally wanted to host his first birthday just as a thank you towards the hospital. And we raised $42,000 that night. And then that snowballed. And I was like, if we can do $42,000 in one night, we can do 100000 in a year. Um, and so from kind of um, June till December, we raised the, uh, another 60 or 70 or 80 grand, whatever it was. And then um, the next year, I was like, if we can do 100, we can do 200. We hit 200,000 in September. And I was like, dang, if we can do 200, <laughs> let's hit 250. So we hit 268. And to date, um, you know, we're here in March 2020, whenever this goes live. Um, but we've raised like over $705,000 in three years. Um, this is our million dollar year. Our Logan would be part of the million um, and plans have shifted like crazy. And so we're just trying to figure out our backup plan. Um, as you know, you can't host large events and gatherings, but um, I believe it's going to happen because we've seen this community rally um, together time and time again, and we just dream really big and we go after it. I think that's incredible, but I, I want to go back to that moment of choosing joy because mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, that would have been a long process, right? To get from getting that news and actually coming around to choosing the joy, like it, maybe days, weeks, whatnot mm -hmm. to get out of that. How did you turn that around so quickly? Like, is that something you have grown up just being a quick, like reframer? Like, 
you know what? I, I would want to ask my mom that question. And I don't know if that, I feel like, yeah, maybe it always has been. Um, I struggled with depression and um, like mental health, especially in high school. A little bit coming out of that Calgary when I moved here in 2006, it was a really good fresh start for me. And I do believe that I, I know how quickly I can slip down the slope. And that slope is really scary. And I attempted suicide in my um, in grade 11 um, in high school. And I overdosed on a bunch of pills, got rushed to the hospital. You know, it was by God's grace that I'm still here. And that wasn't the end of my story. And so I know how quickly it can feel really dark and really suffocating and really scary. And I know that when I start to spiral down, it's really hard for me to get out of that. So I was just in like this resolve. I just felt that like nudge. My book is all about these nudges. I just felt this nudge that it was like, Jessica, you have to bring the joy to this situation. And, you know, for me, my nudge is like, I can feel a tug, like literally at my heart and an audible voice, Um, you know, debate whoever you want to believe it is, God, the universe, Abby Dabby, whatever, your grandma. I'm not here to debate it. I believe what I believe. Um, you can believe what you believe, but for me, it's like an audible voice from God that was just like, bring the joy, bring joy to your son's life. And I'll see you through this. And I just felt so at peace. And so, um, I, I believe that we can bring joy to death. And for me, it was an automatic, um, flipping of the circumstances where I pictured myself lying in that bed, not being able to move, um, you know, being like, Hey, you've kind of got less than 365 days. Like if you put yourself in that position, Um, you know, you're lying in a bed, you can't move, you know, you're reliant on everybody around you. Like, would you want people to have a pity party and be super depressed? I wouldn't. Like I literally pictured myself lying in a hospital, you know, it's beeping, it's cold, it's sterile. So like we did everything from like, we brought in a diffuser and diffused essential oil. So it smelled good and uplifting to, you know, we brought in my Bluetooth speaker and had dance parties every day. And so it was just these small little choices. And I would say I have totally rewired, which it is there's scientific facts around this, that you can re- rewire your brain for the default settings. So my default setting now is automatically joy. I think it's taken years and years of, of like these choices. And to be clear to anyone that's listening to this, it doesn't mean that I don't have deep, dark, depressing thoughts. It doesn't mean that I don't stumble. It doesn't mean that, you know, not every day is just like, do it, party time, party time. When we just did our taxes and my poor husband, <laughs> My poor husband and I were like, oh God, we're screwed. Oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? Um, That day wasn't joyful. It wasn't. And so neuroscience for anyone that's like, I'm not wired for joy. Maybe you're not like me. I'm like, I'm high energy. I'm joy. Like that is me. And so um, if you go follow Dr. Caroline Leaf, I just saw her spoke here in Calgary, um, follow her on Instagram, follow her on social. She even has an app, but it's proven scientifically. So she's a neuroscientist. She doesn't take money from big pharma. So she's not influenced in any set way. She literally is self-funding this research and she has a tool set on how you rewire your brain. So if you're default setting is not joy like it is mine you literally can do the work to rewire to get to a state where you're like default setting is joy doesn't mean you're not going to experience heartache loss pain grief depression anxiety blah 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 but when my default setting is no longer those things it's automatically joy it's it's goodness and um and that's what my encouragement um, to you is to do and thankfully i've done the work and so it is my default setting now for sure yeah 
So what would you say, and given that we're going through coronavirus and people are losing mm-hmm. their jobs and financial fear and everything that's going on right now for, and, and families are still in the hospital with SMA while they go through all of this, right? Mm-hmm. We're grieving mm-hmm. uh, that loss. For people who aren't typically wired that way and who maybe don't have the time to read those resources, what could they, what would you tell them to do today to bring that joy to it, even if they don't feel like it at all? Look for a joy starter. Look for a joy starter. So for me, I mean, I've been going live every other night, basically reading a, a portion of my book. And at the end of the call, you know, it feels like it's on repeat for me, but it's a natural thing for me. It might not be natural for somebody. So I'm just going to keep saying it's on blue in the face until, you know, I'm buried six feet under or, or packed into a little urn, whatever it is. But look for the joy starters. So for me, joy starters are simple. And you and I are on a Zoom call and I'm holding up this beautiful handcrafted mug. It's um, a mug um, by a local potter. She actually only lives a couple of blocks from me, ironically enough. And she makes these gorgeous ceramic mugs. And there's something for me about making my French press coffee in the morning, sprinkling overpriced cinnamon in it and having it in this mug. I only own two of them. So if they're dirty, I literally will wash it right then and there and use it. And for me, it sounds crazy, but this more expensive mug is like a joy starter for me. And so it's like, I look forward to getting on the bed and having a hot coffee with overpriced cinnamon. That's absolutely delicious in this mug. And so it can be in the small things. So what are some things that like will spark joy? You know, um, the Kamari method, that's all about sparking joy. And it's about tuning in to like, okay, what doesn't bring me joy is all the receipts on my floor. So I got to do something about that. You know, what brings me joy is like going through my gratitude every morning. So it sets the tone for the rest of my day. So it's just something practical that you can do. Look around you right then and there. And it's like, what do you have in your life? You know, maybe it's your favorite pair of jeans or maybe it's a new kick-ass top. Like I, we just came out with these shirts that say not today, Satan. For me, that's a joy starter because it's like me claiming my mother up and day and my focus. And it's like, not today, Satan. I'm not going to get a a hold on my joy. And so it's like, it's a, maybe it's a favorite sweatshirt. Maybe it's a favorite pen that you get to write with. Maybe it's, you know, doing a happy dance with your kids for five minutes to, you know, your favorite song. There are small things along the way that you can look for. And then just start picking up on those, like list your five joy starters, find your joy starters. And that is a really easy place to start. I love it. And it's like, that's exactly what you did in that hospital room, right? Like what you're saying with the diffuser, like bringing in uh, beauty and joy and more pleasant experiences than sterile hospital rooms for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. I just want to quickly interrupt Jessica's interview to tell you a little bit about don't just survive, thrive. So I know I'm hearing from so many people and I've said it myself, like if you're surviving right now, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Here's the thing. It looks like COVID-19 and the impacts are going to last right through 2020. Uh, We're going to be feeling those financial impacts for quite some time. So I don't want you to just survive 2020. I want you to thrive. I want you to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And maybe it's going to look a little bit different. And that's okay. So if this is our new normal, what is your new vision for 2020 and how can we make it happen? So Don't Just Survive, Thrive is a group coaching six-week program that I'm launching on April 7th. We're going to be meeting every Tuesday night, uh, and if there's enough people, we might end up doing a different group as well. Uh, These are going to be small groups where we dive deep into how we can build your resilience through these challenging times. So each session will start with content to help you have an effective, strong week. And then we're going to move into coaching on your individual
individual challenges that you're facing. So to give you a little bit of a sense of what we're going to cover, here goes. Week one, we're going to be talking about how you re-envision 2020 and what needs to be in place to make it happen. Week two, we're going to be talking about how habits work, how to create habits that serve you and break habits that don't. Week three, we're going to go into a systems approach to achieving your goal. Because here's the thing, it's all great to know your goal, to have a goal, but if you don't have a system in in place to build it up, it's not going to happen. So we talk about how to do that. Week four, very convenient for this episode, is how to find and build joy in the day-to-day. When you have that joy, you are so much more likely to keep the motivation going, to keep on track. Week five, we talk about how to overcome self-sabotage because... Self-sabotage always happens around the five-week mark when I work with my clients. We're going to talk about how to overcome that. And then week six is how to make it stick. So if you want to be part of this, if you want 2020 not to be a write-off, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a small group, maximum six people. So if more people register, we'll look at doing a second group. And it is only $75. So that's $12.50 a week for powerful content, accountability, and coaching to make this the season to thrive. Usually we charge like three to four times this for group coaching, but I am so conscious of what everyone is going through right now that I want to make it as affordable as possible. So $12.50 a week uh, to have 2020 not be a write-off, to have 2020 be a week that you, a year that you can really achieve what you want to. I hope it's as affordable as we can make it for you. So if you want in, email me, victoria at stresslessladies.com, and we'll snag you a spot. Like I said, it starts April 7th, so we're getting going soon here. Or you can contact me on Instagram at stresslessladies and DM me there, and we will get you signed up. The focus of this group coaching program is that 2020 is not a write-off. We don't just want you to survive. We want you to thrive. Even with all the challenges, I guarantee we can make that happen. So I hope to see you there. It's going to be absolute fire and I wish you the best. Back to the interview. So you also talked in an interview about 2016 being the year that you made a decision um, to be really intentional about your marriage. And like, and, and I know the statistics, right, of couples who have um, lost a child and, and divorce being more common. So I, I can see the importance of making that commitment. What has that looked like on a on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis? Because I mean, life gets hard, right? Like you're saying taxes, like mm-hmm. how has that shown up differently for you? So we made probably two commitments. One was 2016. We made a pact in the hospital room and we both were like, and the reason is, is because we've seen so many of these families specifically in the SMA world that are getting divorced or there's tons of stress or whatever. I mean, it's like, imagine having to make decisions about your child where like, what type of metal rods do we want going in their back for their spine surgery? Like those are not light decisions. And so that wears on a marriage, on a family, especially when you maybe aren't in alignment and you're like, well, this is what my gut says. And the other person's saying that and you're trying to find this happy ground. And so I knew, knew the statistics, knew the scariness, knew how heavy it was. Um, and they're just faced anyone that is a medical parent, you know, with like a, a fragile child, it just places more stress in the relationship. We already know that financial stress and, you know, job stress, and then trying to raise kids, it's hard, hard work. And so we made that decision in 2016 in the hospital room on the day, August 5th. I'm like, we will not let this break us apart because we had almost filed for divorce in our first year of marriage. It was just so hard. We came up with so many obstacles. And so I was just like, we've worked so hard to like get to this spot. Like, I don't want it to all crumble. And so then again, in 2018, I was listening to a podcast 
by Rachel Hollis. I just finished reading uh, Girl Stop Apologizing. I don't know if everyone remembers that. They said, I just kept seeing this image of this girl with this fire hydrant spraying mm-hmm. on her. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And on our podcast, she would advertise about rides together. And they're like, hey, we only have a few seats left. And so I literally, um, I didn't sign up that day. I regretted it. I ended up like ninjing tickets. Like I, I called in all these favors. I emailed them personally. They're like, sorry, we're sold out. Um, so then I went on this buy and sell group. I found these tickets and I surprised my husband about two or three weeks before the conference. My mom was sweet. She flew out so she could take care of her daughter. And I said, we're going to go to Austin, Texas, and we're going to a marriage conference. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, what's the matter with our relationship? I thought it was fine. Or aren't we good? And I was like, no, we have a good marriage. I'm like, I want an exceptional marriage because that's what Rachel Hollis had talked about. And I'm like, oh yeah, like you are living with this person and sometimes you're spending 24 hours a day. Like, why would you want to just coexist? Like, why wouldn't you want to laugh and have fun and make memories and like thrive in that relationship? It's like, I don't want to show up to a job I hate every day for eight hours. Like that wears on a person's soul. Now, sometimes you have to do the things that you don't want to do. That's just life. Now, coming out of that, um, I was like, I don't want to just coexist and be like, okay, you know, we pay the mortgage and feed the kids and crawl into bed and then it's over and done at the end of the day. I want to thrive. And so we made that conscious decision and we've just done small things. Like I ordered a $12 goal setting book off of um, a website and we made an intentional date. We went out to Banff, we went out to the mountains and we got, um, we just sat down and asked each other hard questions, tough questions. We talked about our vision. We talked about what is one year, five year, 10 years look like. And now that we have like a common vision, like where we're like, these are the big things that we dream of. It's so much easier to support each other in the crazy and to ride the waves. And it is still hard. Um, we are both self-employed right now and all of my husband's restaurants and, and stores are virtually shut down. All of my contracts are on hold. You know, right before this, I was emailing our mortgage. I literally was like, you know, there's not going to be money in the account because I don't have any of my contracts coming in or a completion, so I can't get paid. And so it's hard, um, but we've just chosen to show up differently. And the biggest thing for us is that like, I know that he needs quality time. He knows I'm acts of service. And so trying to balance that and show up um, we were really good about a date night. And my husband was saying, I mean, we've only been on whatever lockdown quarantine for, you know, a week and a half, two weeks. But he's like, I just want to go on a fancy date and take you for dinner. And I was like, girl, I was like, honey, I'm like, trust me, I want that too. And um, just when we do have that time together, it's like making account and knowing that it's special. And I, I hope that, you know, being quarantined, people start to appreciate this. Like maybe you go on dates all the time, but you don't even value how special it is. So being together, doing work, growing, um, having good conversations. I think we're just going to have to get creative about our date nights, you know, yeah. so planning something inside once the kids are in bed. Honestly, that's what we started doing just from a budget perspective of like the kids go to bed, some takeout arrives, we get, you know, candles or something nice. And it's just like, don't have to pay for a sitter. And it, at least mm-hmm. it's not the same. It's not as nice as, but you know, look like a human being or attempt to put yourself together and do it. And totally. And it's like, there's that reminder. It's like, okay, maybe you're in a season where money isn't flowing because it's expensive man to go out. It's like the babysitter. Yeah. $100 for the dinner. And you're like, great. We just spent $250 and like we, we, all we did was eat. Um, and so I think there's ways to get really creative you know, going for a walk for, you know, my husband, he loves golfing. So it's like, can you do nine holes in summer or whatever? And now it's like, okay, can we do a picnic on the front yard? Can we plan something fun, go for a walk, go into a neighborhood or explore somewhere we haven't ever done? And, and 
we're just being really intentional about that time. And I'd have to say it, my goal um, in the next kind of couple of days is to get creative and do something. And for him, it might even just be watching, like he loves Rocky and Rambo. So it's like, Hey babe, I'd love to watch Rocky with you. Even though I care less about Rocky, but that would mean the world to him. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You talk about the importance of this vision, having a vision for every area of your life. And this is the million dollar year for Love for Lewiston. What's the, what's the grand vision for Love for Lewiston? Find a cure. Yeah. No family has to go what we went through. You know, I'd say we're doing incredible. I, we are doing incredible work currently right now. So we, um, for two years, my husband um, owned emailing every week until this project got approved. And so May 2019, or sorry, March 2019, they approved a half a million dollar newborn screening pilot project. And that means that every child that gets born in Alberta in a hospital or has goes to public health nurse and gets that little heel prick would get tested for SMA. Because now when Lewiston was alive, there wasn't a treatment, there wasn't a cure. Now there's a treatment, there's gene therapy, um, there's these incredible um, changes in the landscape. And so we're like, wow, if these kids get diagnosed at birth, and they get to this treatment, the deterioration hasn't started to happen yet. Like we can save lives here. Not quite a cure, but I mean, it's pretty dang close. There's so much hope in the SMA community and so much um, has changed, like I said, with the landscape and with the possibilities and options now for treatment where some of these families have been fighting for 15 or 20 years yeah. and now they're finally seeing it. And my experience has been in a very short lifetime. So I'd love to see SMA cured. I'd love to see no um, child go undiagnosed. I'd love that to be across the globe. Um, for us, though, you've got to start small. So we're starting here in our province. Um, we're waiting on a sign-off from the health minister. And I know he's obviously very busy right now. <laughs> so it's like, oh, great. Now's not the time to probably book a meeting with this guy. But yeah. we're ready to go. The project is um, we're, we committed to ha- a quarter of a million dollars from our foundation. The hospital foundation was covering the other chunk of it. And we only, we were able to cover this pledge in a five-year time uh, period. And, and we're hoping to have fully funded it by the end of this year or next year. So we only have 69,000 remaining on this massive project. And so that's a massive accomplishment. And then I just, my goal is to ease the burden for families. So that was the spring joy component where we we literally, I got so frustrated with trying to find funding or get help with doctors and nurses and to no fault of their own. It just was like, no one was willing to cover it. And I finally in, I remember this last meeting, I, you know, I'm meeting with these teams of people and they're all lovely ladies, but they're working with budgets. I was like, I'm done trying to prove to you that I need help. I'm like, my son is diagnosed terminal. I have no idea if tomorrow or today is his last day. I'm like, I'm done fighting. And so we threw our hands up in the air and we just hunkered down at Rotary Flames in hospice. That was a really hard decision because I didn't want to feel like I was giving up on ever bringing our son home, but I never got to bring my son back home. I never got to go take him to a park again and like go on a family trip or to take him to Disney and do those things. And so we just want to remove a, a barrier for these families where it's like finding funding is so hard. It's like the government will fund a wheelchair, but the wheelchair doesn't go up and down, doesn't allow for you know, they're just following a, a massive protocol. And so that's where we can come in. You know, a kid wants to play wheelchair, soccer, or hockey, because he wants to do it because all of his friends are doing it. Um, it requires a special wheelchair that's $10,000. I don't know a lot of families that just are like, well, we, no problem, honey, just put that on the visa and we can pay it off in full. And so we just really want to bridge that gap and make um, the time that they do have with their kids um, more intentional and less stressful trying to find funding. I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing and how you have channeled 
that pain into a real purpose in your life and to mm-hmm. and, and not just your life and into the lives of all of these families who are struggling with that. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think it's absolutely incredible. Thanks. We use this saying, um, use pain as rocket fuel. And I really believe that. I, I believe that we've used the pain, the hurt, um, all of the upset and turmoil. We've just used that as rocket fuel, rocket yeah. fuel to do good in the world. And I believe that you can apply that theory right now. Like if you're sitting in pain or darkness or you're not sure what's next, use whatever pain you're experiencing, use that for good. Use that as rocket fuel to change something, do something because we're all capable. It's just a choice of whether or not we're going to show up. Yeah. And I think looking for the opportunity in these moments, right? Like, I mean, you know, all of our finances and our, you know, I'm a business owner. My business is massively changing right now. And so it's like, what's the opportunity to shift or to pivot or to to do different things? Like, I think it, it's scary and it's, not, you know, I had the same call with my bank this morning for the mortgage and it was like, that's not a call Did you, you want to make. Through? Uh, well, I got through and the request happened. I was on the phone at 6am and they, yeah. um, someone will call me back. So we shall see, but so yeah. good times, but so you do so many things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think women struggle, like we struggle to hear this question, right? I think a lot because it's like, well, how do you juggle it all? Men don't get this question. And I'm not, the question is not how do you juggle it all, but what doesn't happen? Because I, I there's this, inc- have you read the book, drop the ball by Tiffany Dufu? No, but I'm writing it down. Drop the ball. Okay. It's incredible. Her and her husband both have these, you know, big careers. Uh, You know, they had two kids and it was kind of, it came down to a, there's certain things we just don't do anymore because Mm -hmm. they don't matter and who cares? So what do you not do in your house? Pre-COVID. Let's clarify. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Because the landscape has shifted. Yeah. Um, I don't clean my house. Yeah. I barely owned cleaning supplies. Like legit, I had to go out and buy cleaning supplies. I mean, I had the basics, yeah. but um, we outsourced. Uh, I have this amazing partnership with Go Clean Co. Their team is amazing. I'm like, I don't want to go scrub my baseboards. No, thank you. I mean, I'll wipe my counters. Like I'll keep my house tidy. Yeah. But like, I don't, I clean my house. Now we're into COVID and they're, they're not cleaning. You know, there's just nothing yeah. happening. I spent five hours on Saturday night, put the kids to bed and I cleaned. And I mopped and I vacuumed and I dusted the baseboards. I was like, good Lord. And the only time I had this week was on Saturday night because we couldn't go out anywhere. You know, there was no events to do. So I don't know if this is what you're asking, but I don't clean my house. And when we get back to all of this, I'm not cleaning my house again. Why? Because I don't want to. That's something that, you know, there's a company that has amazing people that are super skilled. I used to not really grocery shop, barely ever. I love to grocery shop, I, but I also like over grocery shop, go off budget. You know, my husband, I did the Costco and he's like, what in God's green earth? I was like, sorry, I panicked. I just was like, and he's like, okay, honey. He's like, stick to the list. Don't de- deviate. So I don't grocery shop. We used Instacart a whole ton. I mean, it's a brilliant service. Pre-COVID, you could order groceries in. Like if I was like wanting to bake and I'm like, oh, dang it, we're out of coconut. You can place your order and they can bring it right to your home. So you can still do the baking and the stuff like that. Um, what are the other things I don't do? Um, are you a big TV watcher or no? Oh no, no. no. Jesus. The only thing I've watched right now has been a little bit of the news in the morning. I don't typically watch Netflix, although I am going to say this, um, Ozark is coming out and with season, I think three with Jason Bateman and that show was phenomenal. So we're going to plan that as like a date night. Yeah. Like I'm not at home right now in COVID sitting, watching TV, being lazy. Like I'm working out. I'm planning. I'm like, 
for me, I'm like, this is brilliant. As an entrepreneur, the whole world is slow. So all the stuff that I have wanted to do behind the scenes, but never have been able to do, I'm rolling out my sleeve. So yeah, I don't typically watch yeah. um, TV or Netflix. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. I mean, I honestly don't even need the cable. I could totally ditch it. My husband's a sports guy that makes him happy. So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll do the sports. Um, yeah. what else don't I do? Oh, we have a nanny. Like yeah. I, I, I love my, my children, but I was just like, I need to be really effective. So she does the pickup and drop off and takes care of the kid. Um, and so I'm not trying to do this side hustle in between kids naps while my kid watches an iPad for a long time. It was like that. And my poor daughter, who's absolutely amazing. And she's so resilient. You know, I'd be bringing her to meetings and hauling her around the city. And, you know, we're just in that threshold where now we're like, okay, we have two kids. This makes sense. We can bring someone on. But I just got really strategic so that when I was then not working, then I'm trying to be a hundred percent more present between, you know, it's like five, five to eight before the kids go to bed. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, and I think for a lot of people, there's the fear of like the cost of the outsourcing, but I think Mm -hmm. what you get back and what you're able to do in return, right? Like can be really key. Okay. I just brought on pre COVID. Mm-hmm. I literally had been, you know, all the time I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'd be on Instagram. I'm like help. There's so much stuff. Cause I took, I took on, I have way too many projects. I'll be the first to admit like Rachel Hollis is like, do the one thing. Like I'm a Rachel Hollis fan. And she does do more one than thing. one thing. <laughs> well, exactly. And yeah. I'm also, I'm like, but I've, I've gotten all these balls in the air and I, I let them, one of them dropped, you know, I said, okay, well, we're not going to do anything with this. It got shelved for four months. You know, I was able to breathe life into it. So I decided to start outsourcing for virtual assistant. And I was like, I don't, just don't think I can afford it. Like I just, I, there's no way. And so I was like, okay, well maybe it's like, even if I start with five or 10 hours a month, it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I'm going to like try that and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then whatever. So I interview all these people and this one virtual assistant, she peppered me eight times. She was like, this is exactly why I can help you. You're not able to respond to your emails. She wasn't accusing. She was absolutely amazing. But I was like, you know, follow up with me in a week. And I think I was partly scared to to dive in. But now what that I've outsourced, it's like, I'm not working in the market in that I'm working on the business, which has generated more revenue and opened up more opportunities. So to anybody, this was what bothered me. Every time I'd go to a conference and I'd hear people outsource, outsource, outsource. So you hear these people saying, get a virtual assistant, do all these things. And I was like, but how? Yeah. So I, I think for a long time, you're going to be in that building phase where you just cannot afford it. You plug everything back in. You're just trying to pay your taxes, your mortgage, keep your family, keep the wheels on the thing. And then once there's some growth and some momentum, it's a hard transition. I think you're, you'll be at a pivotal point where you maybe can't quite afford it. Yet if you do, it actually opens up the door to generate more revenue if you use your time wisely and strategically. So for myself, I... One of the things you said, what don't you do? I typically don't go for coffee with people anymore. I did that for two and a half, three years. Didn't move the needle in my business. Didn't make any money. No one was paying me. I was just happy to share all the things. And then, you know, it would be a two or three hour time investment. I'm like, I didn't move the needle in my own business day. Now I'm happy to help people because people have been good and generous and given me a leg up. But I just don't invest in a two or three hour coffee. I'm happy to do a 25 minute phone call because what we can do in that time, we can probably accomplish over the phone. Um, And I've gotten burnt too many times. Like I literally, a girl once said to me, she's like, my dad just died. I'm really depressed. Like I really need help. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I'd love to go for coffee with you. Within one minute of me sitting down, she's pitching to me isogenics and how she's going to retire me and Ronnie. And so I've gotten burnt a few too many times with just like 
um, you know, direct marketing and stuff like that. So I'm really cautious about that because I've had a sour taste in my mouth more than one time. And so that has allowed me though, to be more into my focus and not getting distracted. And all of a sudden you're like, especially when you're paying for childcare, like I, I, I had to pay for it now. So it's like, if I'm paying someone, I have to make sure I'm driving revenue for my own business. Yeah. And it's interesting what you're saying about like the, what you can do in 25 minutes, right? It comes back to the intention, right? How are you intending to spend your time? How are you intending to bring joy? How are you intent? Like the intention is just the pivotal part of everything, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, um, in bright pink on my kind of calendar, it says, what am I doing right now to move the needle? I love it. So it's a good checkpoint for me. It's like, okay, boom, is, is, is right now is what I'm working on, scrolling on Instagram, you know, whatever it is, is that moving the needle in my business or am I just numbing myself or yeah. procrastinating or whatever? Mm-hmm. I love it. I need your energy. I need to build that up. Um, so I want to talk a bit about the book. Uh, the, when does it officially publish? Come out. Don't have an yeah. official date. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag COVID-19. <changing> yeah. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Um, I, the goal is May 2020. So between the first yeah. and the 31st, is there 30, 31 days or 30 yep, days? I think so. I, I think there's 31 days in April between then. Um, and you know, we, um, there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. I had a massive contract, um, that I, I social media influence, if that's what you want to call it, that's what pays our bills truly. Cause yeah. all of these projects I'm working on have been passion projects. And I I finished my content, delivered it to the client. And they're like, just kidding. We can't post it because of COVID-19. And I don't get paid until I post. And then still there's net payment terms. And that was a big chunk of change to be able to help pay for printing costs and whatever. And I'll be about $90,000 into this project by the time we're done. So um, I'm just praying that all the pieces come together. I'm trusting that it will happen. So we're doing pre-sales for the book campaign. So you get it at a really great price. And then we'll move over to my website. And uh, like I said, my goal is May 2020. At some point, you know, there'll be an audio book and for sure an ebook that everyone's purchased. They'll definitely get an ebook um, if the printing, you know, gets delayed a little bit. And I'm not sure if the printers are on track right now. So that's another thing that we're working through. So it's coming. It's yeah. been a six year project and I'm so, so, so excited. I believe it's it's kind of crazy because I got so mad at myself and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, there literally has never been a better time than right now for this book because it's truly practical things. And I believe I'm like, if I can bring joy to the death of my son, watching him struggle to breathe day in, day out, watching someone deteriorate and then eventually die in your arms, I was like, damn it, we can bring joy to COVID-19. Like that's just how much I believe it. And I know that you can read through the chapters. Some are super funny. Some are way more serious. Um, But it's those little nudges that we get along the way. And those nudges and responding to them is what leads to bringing the joy in your life. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm going to be pre-ordering my copy. So April 2nd is the deadline for... Yeah, for the pre-sales ending. And then it'll move over to my website, but those books probably won't get delivered until um, mid-June. So if you want to be part of the first wave, that's kind of the perk of this pre-sale campaign. Um, You'll want to order um, by April 2nd. It's going to be amazing. I'm so stoked. We just finalized the front cover. Um, It's 65,000 words, which I had no clue. I am not someone that's a writer, but um, I had a story deep inside me and I believe my story can help other people. So that's why I want to share it with the world. Oh, I love it. I'm very excited to read it. Okay. Well, let's move into the final five questions that I ask all my guests. So what are some, we might've already touched on it, but what are some of the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? 
my book and bring joy, honestly, it has been a project that I've loved and hated. Like round one edits, I was like, this is stupid. I can't believe I even thought I could write a book. Like as every writer says. (laughs) Yeah. And then here I am and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, we're coming out with e-courses. And I'm like, this book, I'm like, I, I wish I could just like print it and start dropping it in people's mailboxes and being like, well, you're, you're quarantined. So you've got time to read. So here, here's the book. And so I'm just so excited and ecstatic about that and, and what that looks like. Um, that, that, uh, that project fires me up. I think it's the things that stir my heart for me. It's like people feeling stuck because I've been stuck because I didn't have the courage. I didn't have, um, the drive, the passion, um, and the courage to really jump and take that leap of faith. So that's something where I love, um, just lunch being made in the kitchen. If you hear that All rice good. would be, yep. And so I just am really passionate about helping entrepreneurs and females, especially. I don't believe you have to have this massive empire, but I just believe that if you are following the nudges of your heart, whatever that is, being at home and being totally present and being a killer stay-at-home mom, whether that's wanting to have a side hustle, having a knitting business, or that's wanting to, you know, have a massive empire where, you know, you're producing New York Times bestsellers. There's not a right or a wrong answer, but it's just like living your life with intention. And that stems from knowing that our days are numbered. You know, the average person gets 30,000 days. My son had 179. And I believe if someone gave you a contract with life and basically hand delivered you a piece of paper that said, Hey, Victoria, just so you know, like you really, you've got, you know, 243 days. Imagine someone said that to you. Like I can guarantee you put some rocket burners underneath your ass and get going. Yeah. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? The last two would be um, Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis, obviously. Um, anything by her has just been amazing. That's been for me, someone that's blazed a trail that's given me the kick in the pants to do it. And I've also really loved Atomic Habits oh, by James Clear. And um, you can you can have it all, but not at the same damn time by Rami Neustad. And um, those three books have been on my highlight reel. Um, Rami Olstad. Yeah, those three have been amazing. So Atomic Habits, Girl Stop Apologizing, literally anything by <laughs> Rachel Hollis, and then Atomic Habits by James Clear. Go read them, audio book them, whatever it is. They're game changers. Uh, Atomic Habits is just like everyone that I meet. I'm like, read this book. It will change your life. It's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. My bed mm-hmm. gets made every day. Um, yeah. What are your go-to strategies for handling stress? Deep breath. I mean, I think I just did it right there. Deep breath. Having a cup of coffee for me, it's just like, okay, I just need to reset. Cup of coffee, tea, hot water with lemon, honey, turmeric. Depends on the time of the day. In my mug, in my joy starter mug, it, there's like something really simple about just like pausing. Uh, and like real looking at the situation, uh, going for a workout. That's like when I am all disheveled, I figure that I find that that usually clears my head. And then sometimes, honestly, it's just like, I have a couple of people, you know, where I'm like, I will call my bestie and it's like, we're both, you know, so entrepreneurs and you got to hustle. But I was like, I need two minutes of your time. I need to vent it all out. And so she'll just be like, okay, and go. And then you're like, this is wrong. That's wrong. I screwed up here. This isn't working. I thought I was going to close that contract. And then I'm like, okay. And I'm done. And then it's like, after I've like verbally vomited all, all the crap that's swirling in my head, I'm like, okay, game plan, roll up the sleeves. Now I got to find a solution. And that has helped. So, I mean, find those key people, those core people in your life. Yeah. What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? The best advice that I've ever been given is to dream big, go anywhere, do anything. 
that comes from my business mentor, Roger. He's an incredible man of faith and um, has just poured into my life time and time again. And that lesson came from him. And I didn't believe it until probably a couple of years ago, but dream big, go anywhere, do anything. I think it's perfect. And the best life lesson I've learned, um, I think it all stems back to bringing joy, but I think for me, it's just to continue to rise up and to do it unapologetically being me. I think for so long, I've like kind of tried to play small because I have a really big personality and it's not for everybody. And that's okay. Um, I don't need to be everybody's best friend. I've got my core group of girls that love me and accept me and know all my crazy. But some people are like, oh my gosh, your life exhausts me. Oh, and I'm like, that's okay. I'm not for you. Um, yeah. And still learning to be fully grounded in who I am and then going after those things. Yeah. And final question, Jess, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? I'm in it right now. I literally have the title of my, my next book. Um, and praying I get picked up by a publisher to, to make it happen, but I'm living, living the dream. I've planned the vision. I, I have this beautiful and amazing home and Lord willing, we don't lose it with COVID-19. Um, I have this incredible, hot, sexy, really great in bed husband, um, that I've always <laughs> dreamed of. I mean, ladies, I'm going to call it what it is. I, I think we all, if we looked at our husband with, you know, a better set of lenses or clear vision, um, we'd have a better marriage, but he's absolutely hands down the most incredible human being alive. He's the best dad. And I have these beautiful, healthy children. I should have three or side, but I have two or side one up in heaven. And so for me, it's like the choices that I make daily have impact. And I've chosen, you know, that goes back to that habits thing with James Clear. I've really worked hard and intentionally on my daily choices because that is now leading to living a dream life on purpose. And I'm doing work that is so important and I'm not letting the pain, you know, stop me. I'm using it to do really good things in the world. I love it. Well, Jess, you're an inspiration and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We've been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Please, you guys, I'd love to connect. You can um, hit me up at my handle at the Jessica Jansen or our website, jessicajansen.ca, and then go buy a copy of Bring the Joy. Um, you know, there's copies. Ebook is five bucks, so it's not a massive spend. You can get, um, there's other discounted copies and the audio is 15. I know that it will be a book that can help give you some perspective and then help give you some encouragement to get your butt in gear and start living your best life. Well, thank you. Okay, so big thank you to Jessica for joining us on the podcast. Now, I just want to send a final reminder to you. If you want to make 2020 an incredible year, not just a year that you survive, not a write-off, let's not just survive, let's thrive. So check out our group coaching program, six weeks. If you want more information, follow up with me, victoria at stresslessladies.com or DM me on Instagram at stresslessladies. This group coaching program is going to be absolute fire. It is the most affordable group coaching you will ever find. And I guarantee we will see major strides. So take care. Have an absolutely incredible week. And I wish you all the best. <laughs>